Welcome to More Than Movies. I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay. We missed our regularly scheduled recording date, but don't worry. We had something in the vault for you. This week, we'll discuss rom-coms and challenge each other with trivia. We also watched Everything Sucks and checked out Musical.ly. It's time for a top three turf war. Well, here's a nice little subject. Let's talk about the best romantic comedies of all time. We have a top three turf war, and uh, we both love romantic comedies, right? Well, I don't know. Like, for me, romantic comedies are synonymous with, like, the worst of film, but then they're also synonymous with some of my favorite films. So I feel like rom-coms, you know, like, they, they, they span. They span the garbage of film and the, like, golden goose geese eggs of film. I don't know where I'm going there with that. <laughs> I don't think you have to go anywhere with that. I think uh, you're right. There are some garbage, garbage uh, romantic comedies. I have at least one on my list that will surprise you. Um, Ooh. But I definitely think it's a genre that can be elevated and often is. But let's get to it. What is your number three romantic comedy of all time? I had a really hard time with my top four. I just want to start. So here's where I've landed. My number three best rom-com of all time is The F Word, or if you're in America where I am right now, what if? Now, does the setting of Toronto play any part in it being on your list? No, I just freaking love that movie. Um, it's so good. And I, I also love that it's in Toronto, but it's kind of doesn't it doesn't add to it. Like in the same way that some movies are set in New York or in San Francisco, Toronto is a major city. And so it's just normal that it would be the setting of a movie. Fair enough. Uh, so this is Daniel Radcliffe in one of his first roles after Harry Potter. I think he's really funny in this movie. Yes, I think he, I, honestly, this movie surprised me in every way, shape, or form. For the, the trailer is really adorable and hilarious, um, and it made me think, oh, I, I gotta watch this, because it's about a guy who gets kind of friend-zoned. You know how much I hate that term. But it is what it is, it's what the movie is about. He falls in love with this girl, she's not interested in him, so he feels as though he's stuck in the friend-zone, and you kind of see their relationship change and grow over time. And it is the definition of elevating the rom-com. Also, Zoe Kazan is pretty freaking amazing. She, to me, is synonymous with elevated rom-coms. That's fair. You know, so for those who only see it as what if, the F word is obviously not the F word. It's friend. That's the whole point of of the F word. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and it's interesting because... He has to navigate the boyfriend while navigating her as the friendship. It's it's a unique story to tell. And normally they just make the boyfriend look like a complete ass in these type of situations. But he's not yeah, a complete ass. Really, no, they, normally it's like this two-dimensional thing. But this movie really delves into the complications that can exist in human relationships. And I love that. You know, they're separated for a long time and something happens. Um, but nothing really happens. But it it really affects their friendship. Uh, the F word's a good pick and we don't, we don't hear a lot about it. Um, I'm glad you picked it. I own that movie and I, I don't, I didn't give it the type of thought for this list that you did. So good for you. Yay. <laughs> What's yours? Uh, my number three is 500 Days of Summer. Oh my gosh. It's on my list. It's number two. Let's talk about it. The thing is this director has done nothing good since 500 Days of Summer. Really? I mean, maybe because you liked Gifted, you'll agree. But otherwise this director came in like a hurricane. And then has left nothing in his wake. Is this his first movie? Yeah, this is his, uh, his debut. It's 500 Days of Summer. Ah. And what a film. You know, you got Joseph Gordon-Levitt. You've got New Girl's 
Zooey Deschanel. I love the surreal nature of this movie. And it's it's not too quirky that I don't get caught up in it. I think I like The Graduate more because of this film. Oh, interesting. Because, you know, at the beginning of the film, they say he he's in love with love because of a misplaced idea of the ending of The Graduate. Then they go see it and he's in love with it and she is crying. And I'm like... You are fundamentally different people. They are. They are fundamentally different people. But they're, I, I love, I don't know, I love the story of this movie, this this concept, these 500 days of summer-filled life. And personally, I kind of like it more than Annie Hall. Like, it is sort of the Annie Hall of a new generation because it's a, the story of meeting a quirky person and being quirky together and then breaking up. And that is Annie Hall and that is this film. And they have no qualms with telling you up front, this is not going to work. Yes. In fact, it lasts for 500 days. Exactly. And then at the end, he meets Autumn, which is lovely. You'd think that you would find it cliche or silly, but it fits within the way that the story works. Um, My favorite scene in the whole story is when they first have sex and he's just so high on love that literally the world breaks out into a musical number with a two-dimensional bird and everything. And he looks into the window and he looks like Harrison Ford. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, it's so good. Or there, when he goes to the party and it's like expectations and reality and it's both happening at the same time Ugh. where he walks in and he thinks he's going to get this great embrace in all this time with Summer because she really like loves him. But really it's an engagement party and the hell. Exactly. Also their, their breakup on the bench, the park bench is very natural and perfect. This movie is just really delightful. I'm looking at the director's sort of oeuvre, I guess, or canon. And you hated the Amazing Spider-Man. Hate him. Hate them both. I like them a lot. I also like gifted but if you ask me out of everything i've seen that he's directed here so far by far 500 days of summer is the best by far and large all right that was your number two mm-hmm. so i guess we're on my number two which is when harry met sally that was my number four i'm so glad it's on your list oh good all right so when harry met sally we've got harry played by billy crystal sally played by meg ryan i mean there's not a lot to say they go on a cross-country road trip where he says guys and girls can't be friends is this gonna happen and she's like no, because guys and girls can be friends. And Ivana, you and I both know that guys and girls can be friends. We've been friends a long time. Obvi. I just think that what ends up happening at New Year's is such a wonderful journey between these two friends. Let's just back up a second. What I loved about this movie is that it, it spans decades. Decades. I know. I love that too. You see them actually be, be friends for a while. That's right. They get to they get to be really great friends together and they talk about sex and they talk about dating. But they also talk about life and the hardships and everything like that. It is a wonderful film. It, I think they're in their 20s or like early 30s by the, by the end of the film. There's a part where she's crying in the trailer. She's like, I'm 40. And he's like, you're not 40. She's like, well, I'm going to be. He's like, in eight years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so early 30s by the end of the film. And when I was in my 20s, that's kind of how it was. Like you go to a party, you be friends with somebody, and it was a push and a pull of like, oh my God, all of a sudden like that friend likes me or that friend doesn't like me. And, you know, it's easy to get caught up in the whole guys and girls can't be friends is because they're kind of flip-flopping in their 20s. But when you get to your 30s, you find a comfort level with people. And I love the comfort level between Harry and Sally. And when they finally do actually discover, oh, we do love each other. It's so nice. It is so nice. So let's backtrack. Tell me about that New Year's scene. Well, the New Year's scene when he is spending New Year's by himself and he runs in his like sweatshirt to the big party down the streets of New York and he finally gets up there and he walks up and he's like, he's in front of her and he says, when you realize who you love, you want to spend the rest of your life with them and you want the rest of your life to start right away. Like that line paraphrased, I'm pretty sure I butchered it, is so romantic. This movie is so romantic. I always thought it was one of those stupid rom-coms, but it's not. It is an elevated rom-com. It's a really good movie. It really is. It's fantastic. Nora Ephron, she wrote it and Rob Reiner directed. Rob Reiner is one of those directors that, man, for a good stretch, he was hitting things out of the park for a good long time. We had Misery. We had 
uh, Stand By Me, A Few Good Men, When Harry Met Sally. Like, this is a great run of movies. So Rob Reiner is a big, like, I'm a big fan of his earlier stuff. And that is why When Harry Met Sally hits number two on mine. What is your final number one spot? I have a guess. Guess. I want to guess The Big Sick because you said Zoe earlier is somebody who elevates comedies, rom-com. Yeah, The Big Sick is my number one. Nice! It was really fantastic. I watched it this summer, actually with my whole family, Blake, my brother, my parents. It was just so fun and so delightful and funny. So funny. And heart-wrenching. We talked about it in our top 10 movies of the year, so I won't get into too many crazy details, but the movie's amazing. Zoe Kazan is in it, and she's amazing as always. So I gotta explain why The Big Sick is only on my honorable mentions, is that I don't... I think it's an incredible film. I think it's incredibly funny. I don't find it incredibly romantic. I find it, the idea of it incredibly romantic, but their relationship just kind of wonderful in their own way. But the rest of the film elevates by him standing by her and her family and them all getting to know each other. And I find that love for family to be outstanding and it makes it almost more of a dramedy in, in that respect. And I think the dramedy label for me Gets lobbed in there with the adventure lands of, of, that I absolutely love versus a romantic comedy. For me, it was like I laughed too much for me to call it a dramedy. Like dramedies, you don't generally laugh out loud. And I laughed out loud a lot. And I think it's it, it counts as a rom-com because the main plot is about the romantic relationship of these two people. It's interesting, as you say, because she does get sick. Yep. And their relationship isn't really, like, perfect before that, but they're obviously still together. I mean, it's based on a true story. Yep. There is love in there, in there somewhere, for sure. Yeah, and, and I think that it's pretty clear, too, that part of the importance of their love is their dedication to each other. And that to me is true romance. I have no problem with you saying that is your number one. I love that film. It was one of my, it was my number two of the year, as you know, just like you. Yep. It's an incredible film. I just had to stipulate why I had it off the list. My number one is going to shock and appall every one of our listeners, starting with you, Ivana. Oh no. <laughs> what is it going to be? That is Hitch. Hitch. I was thinking long and hard about these movies. And I go back to Hitch. Yeah, like we were not, it wasn't that long ago that we were texting and you were like, I'm watching Hitch right now. And I'm like, what? I watch it at least twice a year. I don't know why, but I watch it twice a year. That's so funny. And the thing is, the thing I love about it is there's a lot of movies about smooth con man, kind of like ladies man guys, but everything that Will Smith does and says in this movie is actually right. There's a scene where he's got a, a chalkboard and he's like, she has said yes when she could have said no. Your job is not to screw it up. And, it, and it's like, while she's talking to you, I don't want you to be thinking about her naked. I don't want you to be thinking about that. I want you to listen and respond. And I'm like, could every guy just understand this? Like, literally, that is just a secret. That is the secret right there. They say words. You listen to the words. You respond to the words. You mean like have a conversation? <laughs> That's right. But a lot of guys want to steer their conversations in the way that they want. Right. Yeah, they're not there to listen. They're there to get something. To get something. Then freaking nice guy effect. That's what that is. I And I love his relationship so much with... Eva Mendez. Eva Mendez. Thank you. I don't know why that blanked. So the, the meat cute of those two is perfect. It's like a great use of the word fuck. It's... <laughs> A beautiful sit down. Like, he's done everything right. Like, he's bringing her over a drink that he knows that she's drinking because she, because he literally <laughs> asked the question ahead of time. Like, who is that? Oh, that's Sarah Milis. She's this, this, this. What's she drinking? Normally a beer, but today it's a Grey Goose Martini. And it's like, okay, great. And he, like, goes on over and he interrupts somebody else hitting on her. And we're talking too much about Hitch. 
<laughs> but no, I think it's great. We're talking, you know, she, he's interrupting someone hitting on her, and it's the worst. And she's like, you know what? Actually, I'm just not interested. Is that okay? And he's like, oh, totally fine. So, do you like Cuban food? <laughs> and she's like, no, no, that wasn't code for like try harder. Just like, and and the whole time Hitch is like, whoa, like whoa, dude. And he like comes over and he like saves her a little bit. Like he puts his ar- hand on him. And it's like, hey. You know, how are you, honey? How was the meeting? Oh, there was a beginning, a middle, and an end. And it's like, oh, okay. Well, it was nice to meet you, Chip. <laughs> and then Chip leaves, and then they like have their little meet cute, and I think it's great. Um, and that he keeps screwing it up with her every time is also wonderful. It's funny. Uh, you got the great Kevin. It's like the best Kevin James movie because there's not. That's a hard thing to say. Is there's a good Kevin James movie? But this is it. This is him at his weirdest. But yep. normalist at the same time, uh, trying to go after Allegra Cole. God, I watched this movie too much. I know all of the characters. You know everything. It's crazy. I, I have to say, it's been a long time since I've seen it. But Will Smith and Eva Mendez, I find their meet cute and those situations a little too cliche. Everything else about the movie is fantastic, but their love story is too cliche for me. And that is fair. Like it is, it is a by the numbers almost rom com. It is, yeah. But it is. It's one that's really enjoyable. There are those guilty pleasure rom-coms that are just fun to watch. I am absolutely watching it tonight after we are done recording. Mm. All right. How are we going to put this list together? Well, clearly we have uh, 500 Days of Summer going in at, it was your number two, you said? It was my number two. I feel like Hitch should be on the list, but I would, I'd like it to be in the number three spot. I'm, I'm, that's fair. That's, that is totally fair. Hitch almost falls into guilty pleasure, even though I do think it is better than most romantic comedies. So let's put Hitch at three because that that is, in my opinion, where it deserves to go. <laughs> you have the F word in there. I had the F word. It was a number three, so I can I can be okay with it getting knocked off the list. Okay. I, I think we've got 500 Days of Summer, The Big Sick, and When Harry Met Sally. And one of those needs to be removed. Well, 500 Days of Summer has to stay on. Yes, yeah. <clears throat> so, so that's it's, number it's two. The Big Sick versus When Harry Met Sally. And that's like a really hard matchup. Like when you think about it, like they're both fantastic movies. But romantic is the first word that comes in to the genre. And I got to say, when Harry Met Sally is more romantic than The Big Sick. The Big Sick is epic in what he does for her. But in terms of romance, I think you got to give it to, to Harry and Sally. All right. I will give it to Harry and Sally. But that sucks because then The Big Sick is off the list. It's off the list. How do you feel about this? I'm sad, but I... I'm I'm agreeing to it. Okay. All right. I see your sadness. It did. It did. Yeah, we're video chatting. From like six hours away, I see your sadness. <laughs> um, the I it made it on our t- both of our top ten of 2017, which makes me okay to let it out of this list from rom coms. All right. So let's count down what we've got. Number three, Hitch. Number two, When Harry Met Sally. And the number one romantic comedy, according to us, is. 500 Days of Summer. Woohoo! But there's so many honorable mentions to unpack here, right? There are so many honorable mentions, I had to categorize them. What are some of yours? Well, I got City Lights and It Happened One Night. If we're talking about old black and white films, City Lights is maybe the best Chaplin movie. I don't know. I go back and forth between that and The Kid. It Happened One Night is so great. Clark Gable is fantastic in it. Uh, Then I got some moderns. I got The Big Sick on my honorable mentions. Nice. I've also got The Wedding Singer on my honorable mentions. Guilty pleasure? I think a little more guilty than pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, (laughs) Four weddings and a funeral. And then my last one, which is sort of like the big sick. And the reason I kept off was like, 
it, it's way more funny, but I don't know how romantic. And that is my best friend's wedding. Um, so that, those are all really my honorable mentions. What's on yours that I can steal and pluck onto mine? I do have a need to see. I haven't seen it, but it's like I've been wanting to see this movie forever. I think I'm going to watch it when we finish recording. The Apartment. Yeah, you got to see that movie. How to Lose a Guy in, in 10 Days. Oh, that would be on my guilty pleasures. On my guilty pleasures list, as well as Home Again with Reese Witherspoon from 2017. Complete, I don't even know if it's guilty pleasure. It's like on the line. I can't tell you how much I like this movie. I just like it. This movie is crisscrossing into going to be your favorite movie of all time at some point. Like you're flirting real hard with this movie getting up there <laughs> at the top of your list of all time. I just, it's magical. It, it, it's a wholesome, wholesome movie. And yet you haven't seen Paddington. <laughs> um, then there's great movies that just didn't quite make it. Uh, Bull Durham, Crazy Stupid Love, which is freaking awesome. And Five to Seven, which I guess isn't really a comedy. No, that's full That's full drama. But you know what? Uh, Crazy Stupid Love, thank you for saying that. That absolutely would be at the top of my honorable mentions. I love that film. I love the soundtrack. I love Steve Carell and Ryan Gosling. That is yeah. an excellent choice. And uh, and I feel bad that I missed that one because that, that would have had a shot, actually, at my top three. Okay, Jay, I have a question for you. Shoot. So recently you've gotten into board games. We've talked about this a bunch. Oh, do you want to know what board games I bought? No, no, I don't so want to like, know what I got Betrayal at House on the Hill. I, I got really Fog don't want to know what board, board games you bought. I thought we were talking about board games. Let's talk about uh, board games. No, I also, I, I'm curious because before you talked a lot about your video games and now you're talking a lot about your board games. Have you left video gaming behind? Oh, that is a great question. The answer is no, because I just bought another video game for my Nintendo Switch. I bought uh, a game called Wonder Boy, which is sort of like a retro-feeling game. Okay, so let's I do a not lot talk about the games. Gaming this is not a gaming on... podcast. I know. I, I know. I'm just curious. What, how's your time going? Like, what's going on with your time? Oh, um, I am, like, wasting all of it, basically. That is, that's <laughs> how the time is going. Like, all of my time is being wasted on frivolous things, and it's wonderful. Are you, are you like, gaming... Like video gaming less to board game more? How does this work? I am definitely board gaming more, but I will say with the Switch, because I can carry it with me, I do play it a lot at work, like at lunch or something, because I eat alone, right? So like I'll sit there and I'll have my little game after I after I eat and then I'll like go put it back in my locker. What about um, phone games? Like I'm, I'm a big fan of phone games. I don't really play any other game anymore. Good, do you do phone games? Good call. Uh, I, I don't have a lot of phone games on my phone. I, oh, so you're not a phone gamer. I haven't found the right I, I was. Um I just finished a game and now I, I'm I don't have a game on my phone, so I gotta figure out what the next game will be. Maybe I'll do that tonight or tomorrow. Welcome in, it's time for him possible and her possible trivia. Let's meet our contestants. I'm sure you guys have heard us play this game, but I'm just gonna quickly run down the rules. I came up with five questions to ask Jay. Jay came up with five questions to ask me. I did. We each have 45 seconds to answer those questions. If we get them wrong, they just get asked again, and we keep going till the timer runs out. I hope you guys play along with us. Jay? Yes. Can I ask you the questions first? All right, I will hit the timer as soon as you ask the first question. Moroccan stews are cooked and served in a pot called what? Pass. What do whales feed their young? Milk. Who wrote 1984? George Orwell. Harrison Ford is the fugitive. Who is the lawman? Tommy Lee Jones. What is E.T.'s favorite treat? Reese's Pisses. 
Moroccan stews are cooked and served in a pot called what? Stew pot. Keep going, because that's your last question. Uh, the tin pot. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? I thought you would know. I Do you watch MasterChef? No, I don't watch MasterChef. Oh, I don't know why I thought you watched MasterChef. It's called a tagine. A tagine. Really? Yeah. A tagine is my first question. Uh, so whales whales feed milk. They do. Yeah, they're mammals. You're totally right. Fantastic. Um, I, I'll be honest with you. I thought you watched MasterChef. I thought it would be within the realm of possibility of you answering no, it. No, I don't do a lot of reality TV, but you know what? I feel really good about four out of five. I feel like awesome about that. So are you ready? Yeah, you did really well. I'm ready. I, I have a feeling that there's no way I'm going to do that. Well, <laughs> I don't know. It's not that hard. Here we go. Name a movie with Jeff Goldblum. Jurassic Park. What month does Avengers Infinity War come out? July. What pest is found more in Toronto than anywhere in the world? Rats? What else is Halloween called? All Hallows Eve. What is the name of the Vice President's bunny? Marlon Bundo. What month does Avengers Infinity War come out? April. What pest is found more in Toronto than anywhere in the world? Centipedes. What pest is found more in Toronto than anywhere in the world? Cockroaches. Um, mosquitoes. Uh, so we both got four <laughs> out of five. And, what? and raccoons are certainly a pest. Oh, you're right. They are a pest. I was not thinking of that, though. Like, I was nowhere near that frame of thought. <laughs> oh, my God. We've never had a tie. Wait, Tor so Toronto has the most raccoons of everyone? Anywhere. What? I know. Isn't that nuts? We're like the raccoon capital of the world. That's why, so for anyone who doesn't live in Toronto, like, so we get city-issued garbage cans. You do pay for them when your taxes and whatnot, but they give you the garbage cans. And they have to create new garbage can designs every few years because the raccoons outsmart them. And so every few years, you have to have a new way to lock out the raccoons. Yeah, it's it's a problem. And they're evil. Like, I see, I see things on YouTube that are like, oh, all these cute raccoons or like all these raccoons eating Doritos or whatever. And it's like, oh, all the comments are like, so cute, so cute. No, these are the spawns of Satan. Stay away. Oh, and they have little hands. Oh, God, those hands are so terrifying. I, I have nightmares about those hands, like, coming up from under the bed and, like, coming. Oh, my God. Two times, Two times tech. tech. No, no, two, two times. Two. So, okay, right. One, two. Two times three. tech. No, no, go on three and then go. One, two, three. Two times two tech. Two times tech. <sighs> Ivana, you shared a link with me this week to a new app, or I guess it's not new. It's just an app that I didn't know about because I am in my mid-30s um, called Musical.ly. Wait, you didn't know about it? I had no idea about this app. This this app seems to be like the new Vine. Yeah, yeah, I think it is like the new Vine. I think, and it's it's really popular from what I can tell with like the tween to high school market. So if you're on Musical.ly, like we, we wanted to check it out. So we went on and... Um, I posted something that's terrible, and you can find it at Jason Kennedy 14. Oh, nice plug there. Yeah, you can totally go and check it out uh, at Jason Kennedy 14, all one word. Um, and I sing a little bit of an Echo Smith song, sort of, but I'm not singing. It's like a lip sync thing. And uh, it reminded me of you and I playing with that dub. Um, dub, dub smash. Dub smash, which has gone away now. <laughs> I mean, it, it still exists, and it's so funny because I thought no one used it anymore. And I was reading something just the other day where someone mentioned Dub Smash and I was like, what? Does anyone still use that? But yeah, it, it is. It's just like Dub Smash. It is. And a lot more music focused. There's a lot of clips from music that you can use to lip sync and build your own fun videos. I'm going to warn you right now, like if you go and decide to download this, this is as addictive as an Instagram feed. I wouldn't say that an Instagram feed is addictive. 
nor would I say that this app is addictive per se, but I can see how it can be. I literally opened it and 15 minutes went by and I was like, oh my God, I got to stop scrolling through all these videos. This is like, there's funny videos, there's music videos, there's really weird robot man videos, like very strange things. But I really like, I dug the creativity, but I, I just really liked not knowing what was next. Yeah, I, I think the thing that I found like the coolest about it is the the way the videos come out. Um, and when you're recording your own video, you have a number of different types of effects that you can put in so that it can match and create this like very cool set of images mixed with sound that you get to choose. It's like dub smash, but a bazillion times better and uh, actually social media and not just a, a fun thing that you play. How long is Musical.ly going to be around per se? I mean... I think it's been big for quite a while and I feel like only old people use Facebook anymore. And by old, I mean anyone that is above the age of 25. Um, And so everyone below that age, I don't think they even care. Maybe they have it. I feel like Facebook you kind of have because it's like it follows you around and it's a way to contact people. But like I'm not that into Facebook. A lot of people aren't into Facebook. There's all these comments about how Facebook's dead. I think things like Musical.ly and well, Snapchat for a while, though now that's dying, are the next thing. So I think that you've but, got a few you know, years. They said that about Twitter, too. And I seem to be on Twitter an awful lot lately. And I find that some of my best conversations don't start on Facebook. They don't start on Instagram. They start on Twitter. Um, I totally I- agree. Twitter, for some strange reason, has this, to me, staying power. I'm, I've, gotten, I've gotten really into Twitter again recently as well. I mean, it helps that our president makes it pretty relevant. I mean, my president. Your president, not my president. (laughs) He sure does. This is Top Drawer TV. Okay, we didn't give you any homework, so this is coming out of left field, but we're going to talk about a TV show anyway. And if you think it sounds cool, we recommend you check it out. Therefore, we're not going to, I mean, we are going to spoil it, but it's a pilot, so it's not the end of the world. And we're not going to do our usual spiel where we break down what happens. So this week, we watched the Netflix series, Everything Sucks. That's right. We went pretty far ahead, but we're only going to talk about the beginning of the show, the very first episode, where you meet the core geeky characters who are, you know, kind of in AV club. One of them meets a girl, and he really likes the girl. There's some bullies in the show who are a part of the drama club, which really make no sense at all, that the drama club is the bullies of the school. Well, I don't know that they're the bullies. They're, they take all the attention, and it's, they're set up as the bad guys, and they're the popular kids. But I was in drama club, and I was pretty popular, so I feel like it tracks. Sure, let's say that. <laughs> so it's a Netflix series as well. It's called Everything Sucks. And the big thing about it is... They really are trying to get you in with 90s nostalgia. It is rife with 90s everythingness. I would call it a updated Dawson's Creek. I would call it an updated Freaks and Geeks. Interesting. Because I see the guy who's into the Joey Potter character. The Joey Potter character's got a lot of figuring out to do. You've got his geeky friend, Pacey, who's also kind of doing well with the ladies by the end of the show, which is also very strange. Wait. Who, who? Who's doing well with any ladies the, uh, at the end of the The nerdy team? guy who can't act. All of a sudden at the end of the show, he's got like a couple of girls. Oh, we're not him. there yet, Jay. I know we we're not wanna... there yet. I'm just saying that there's some like, you know, people who make sense. Uh, and then Joey has a, a, a love interest sort of as well, which is, uh, you know, are we going to say it? Should we just say it? Yeah, it's in the pilot. In the pilot, you find out that the Joey Potter character is actually gay. And she doesn't know how to come out. She doesn't know how to approach it. And it's... It's really hard for her in the 90s because, you know, she's got to keep it secret because people aren't as, like, they're not as awesome as they are right now. 
Right. I, and, and I think she's even just discovering her own sexuality. Like, I think you're right. Like, I think she obviously knows she's been gay and into girls for a while because the way the episode, it comes out, it's pretty clear that she is only into girls. She's really turned on by girls. But I think she's only just now starting to explore the sexuality part of it. Like, there's this part where she is over at the main character's house and she's in his garage and she sees an old Playboy and she totally steals it. And then later she's like checking out the girls and she's like about to, you know, have some alone time and her dad walks in. That's right. But nobody knows. She's really starting to open up to the main character, the uh, the short, nerdy AV guy who's actually not very nerdy. He's pretty cool. And you can, you can just see like he is into her heart. Oh, he likes her so much. So much. He's so great because he comes up with these ways to get to know her. Like it's really sweet. It's very sweet. And I really, really like all of the characters in the show. I think they're great. I love the parents in the show as well. Well, so there's Kate's dad is actually the principal of the school. And he's a widower. Yes. And Luke's mom, the dad is not in the picture any longer. But we find out later that they kind of like each other. Um, and a lot of the show actually goes into him dealing with the fact that his dad is no longer in his life and thinking about his dad and kind of rediscovering his dad too because he finds these old tapes. Very, very Dawson's Creek, guys. I'm telling you. Josephine Potter doesn't have a mom. Her mom died. We've got another main character whose father is kind of a bad guy and out of the way. It has a lot of parallels. Maybe in some sort of plot sense, but it doesn't feel like Dawson's Creek. It doesn't feel dr melodramatic. If, like it takes itself seriously the way the Freaks and Geeks does, but I, I would say that Freaks and Geeks has the same comedy undertone. Yeah, there's it's a very funny show as well. There's a lot of humor. I mean, it does feel like Dawson's Creek a little bit because they both took place in the 90s. So they have like sort of the same soundtrack and clothes. I, I just don't see it. I, I think all the the parallels to Dawson's Creek are like top level. Like they're not like the soul of the show. Like you're telling me this is circumstantial when I think it's it's fat. <laughs> like, you know, Joey's dad isn't in the picture. This girl, this boy character's dad isn't in the picture. Like, I don't know. The, the whole concept, it, they don't, it, I didn't think once about Dawson's Creek. Well, it's fantastic. It's, you don't need to think about Dawson's Creek because it is its own thing. And it is awesome. It's called Everything Sucks. I recommend it highly. Uh, it may even be top three right now of 2018 for new shows. Wow. How many have you seen? So I have seen eight new shows so far and it is only March. So obviously you love the show. What made you love the show? Is it the 90s nostalgia? Oh, this is right in my wheelhouse. 90s is like your big favorite period, right? Like that's a pretty formative period in your life. Yeah. I mean, all this feels very familiar to me. The lack of technology. I always like the lack of technology in these shows. It's hard to do good technology. It's hard to show tweeting. It's hard to show texting. It's hard to show social media. All of that stuff, when it hits right, is really good. Yeah, because it's not theatrical to be head down in your phone all the time. That's right. You know, maybe a lot of these filmmakers who definitely were probably a lot younger, uh, they probably remember the world without technology, want to do these stories so that you can kind of show the next generation. Because this, I think this is meant for, you know, teenagers today, this show. Really, it feels to me like it's trying to get at older audiences, interestingly. Really? Yeah. Maybe I always think of a teenage show as something appealing to teenagers because teenagers are in it. A lot of my friends don't watch a lot of stuff with teenagers in it. They watch the Grey's Anatomies and the FX shows and HBO, which is, mm -hmm. I don't know a lot of people who go back to any TV shows that have just kids in it. You know, I did have a friend of mine, we were chatting, he's a director, and, and he was talking about these shows that he was watching and I was suggesting a few shows and he kind of looked at me and he's like, no, some of these have like, they're about high school. I'm like, yeah, they're great shows. He's like, no, I only watch shows about people who are older than me. And I was like, what? Why? And he's like, I like to look forward. I don't want to look backward. 
And that's his sort of mantra. And granted, he's the kind of person who was like 12 and watching Seinfeld. All right. So do you recommend this to our viewers? Yeah, I do. I don't think I recommend it strongly. I found it enjoyable, but I guess I didn't feel nostalgic enough about it. That's fair. Not every nostalgia bomb is going to drop and hit for people. Like, we have to acknowledge the fact that nostalgia can only take us too far. And if, if the story isn't going for you, then it's not going to go. Like, it's just, that's... That's okay. It's one of those shows that's really easy to watch. I'll definitely keep watching it, but it's not something I'm going to rave about where I feel like for you, it's kind of the opposite. It is top three for me right now, but there's only eight so far. It's not number one. And that's our show. Thanks for listening. And don't worry, we will be back again with a regular episode next week. So do your homework. And if you'd like to support the show, you can hop onto your podcast service, subscribe. And if you're feeling super generous, give us a rating and a review. Our intro song comes from bensound.com, and we encourage you to check out all of our show notes for more information about our music, our talented voice actors, and sound effects. Jay and I love hearing from you, and we actually built this website where you can totally check us out, morethanmovies.net. But in case you hate websites, you can email us at hello at morethanmovies.net. Find us on Facebook slash More Than Movies Podcast. Or you can catch either one of us on Twitter directly. I'm at Jester J. I'm at It's Ivana. Thanks again for spending some time with us. We'll be back again next week with an all new commercial free episode. Until next time, friends. Do more. And watch more.